0: a short sermon this morning, and then we're going to go outside and have some barbecue uh, because we want to celebrate what the church has done. The full-time staff is going to serve you guys. So Amy and Seth are out there now, along with Tom Smith setting up the barbecue. My wife and I will head out there after service. We're going to serve you guys just to say thanks. We know so many people generously gave and, and uh, gave more than they could in a lot of ways uh, to be able to reach our goal of $45,000, which is a over, it's about over 20 times your regular giving per member. So that's a a huge multiple. So whatever you're giving weekly, that's 20 times that. So a lot of you gave more than 20 times to be able to do that. So we're grateful for that. We're immensely grateful for that. That's able to hire campus ministers. That's able to go to send money to our sister churches in India. My wife and I got a chance to go to India this summer. It's where we're wearing this traditional Indian garb here. And we got these as gifts from our brothers and sisters in Chennai. We'll talk about that here in a second. But I just thought about gratitude this morning. And I imagined, I thought, what are we usually grateful about? Um, and I think a lot of times, especially in America, the things that come to mind in terms of gratitude are usually material things. Things we have, like God's given me this job or this house or this money or this grade or this person, this spouse, this boyfriend, this girlfriend. This God's given me this timeshare. God's given me this a vacation home. God's given me these things uh, and so that usually is intertwined into our theology. And so in America, especially in the West, we struggle theologically in believing in a God that'll, that might take away those things. We're not allowed to have luxuries. We go, oh, why would God take away these luxuries? Well, does God really exist? Because we live in a world where we believe we should and rightfully should have all these things that we deserve. And part of that comes from a number of things that we can't get into this morning. But I began to think about gratitude and what we're grateful for. And I thought, man, we should just spend a Sunday morning just being grateful. And there's a lot of good things that are uh, easy to be grateful for. There's also things that are good to be grateful for, but hard to get there in your heart, to be grateful for it, even though you know you should. And I just wanted to run through the year. This year, we've had a lot of good. We've had uh, monthly baptisms this year, which is an incredible thing. Something we haven't had since Jenny and I have been here in the church. And we just wanted to celebrate some of those this morning. You know, first, Kathy Jeffers got baptized in January. She's right here, Kathy. That is that's such an epic photo. I love it. I love Kennedy's like getting her hype for a football game. She's like, yes, hit me again. There you go. So Kathy yeah, Josh Riggs got baptized. Josh, which is great. Uh, there at night, that was a night baptism. That was pretty cool. That was Valentine's Day, which is pretty awesome there. Uh, also, let's see, Dan got baptized. Uh, that's a dark hollow trail in Shenandoah National Park. It says after Jesus got baptized, the Holy Spirit descended on him like a dove. But, no, I don't know. It just looks like he's receiving something there. But, uh, but no, that was an awesome baptism, a very cold baptism, if I may add. Uh, there were also a lot of baptisms this year where, uh, as the, uh, the brothers going into the water, we fell in or we were drifting away with the current. There were some scary moments this year with the baptisms. And I think Jacob fell in this water. Is he here so I can embarrass him? You hear Jacob? I don't see him, but... hey, No, I don't see him. Okay, so he's probably doing a night shift, but... Um, Dan got baptized there. Um, Dana Washington got baptized. This is great. This is beautiful. That's a beautiful photo. Dana, Dana got baptized there. Uh, Natalie Smith got baptized. Natalie. That one's great. Such an awesome smile on Natalie. Natalie's doing a great job. She's she helping with the barbecue earlier. She's already doing awesome stuff. All right. We got any more here? Let's see. Oh, we got Yelena got baptized. Yelena Riggs, the other half of the Riggs combo right there. So Josh and Yelena both baptized this year. And then finally, Caleb Martin got baptized up at James Madison University. Uh, Caleb is this guy right here. So right there. Oh, not Josh, the other guy. That guy. Too many tools on this thing. I like it. So the title of this lesson this morning is A Shared Salvation. You know, there's been a lot of good that's happened, not just baptisms, but there's many more also who have not got baptized yet, but are seeking God or currently seeking to to become disciples. There are those of us who've made the decision to follow God, but there's been victories in repentance or victories in maturity or victories in growth, maybe in your parenting and maybe repenting of a stubborn sin. There's been victories in friendships, victories in in people moving in. And even as hard as it is, victories and people moving away to be able to see them go on to be not just away from not going to be away from God, but to go be a part of God and part of God's kingdom somewhere else. Uh, they've had great relationships in the church. Be built. There's been so many good things that have happened. But you ever read the Bible and you you kind of it feels weird. Because sometimes you read the Bible and there's just this obvious disparity between what they're going through and what we're going through. Yeah. And sometimes you kind of go, why is that? And it can cause sometimes a bit of a discouragement. Like, why aren't we going through what necessarily they felt or what they were going through? And uh, we can go ahead and read the verse. And then Jane and I actually wanted to share a little bit from India. And then we'll go from there. But in 2 Corinthians. Now, imagine being there. I love the Corinthian correspondence. Now, imagine being there. Paul's had a problem with, the, with those in Corinth for a reason. Corinth is this Greek city. There's a problem in Corinth because they love Greek philosophy. Some of you at UVA have met philosophy majors, and they're just the worst. And you have to deal. No, any philosophy majors? Uh, no, but, uh, so, you know, philosophy majors are funny. But, I, you know, I was anyway, I can identify. I, can, I, love, I love talking to philosophy majors, political science. I was history myself anyway. But all those in Corinth, they were obsessed with philosophy. And they, had, they were called the sophists which is uh, wisdom for Greek, like Sophia. Uh, Greek, There were the sophists. And the sophists went around like like rappers would today, doing like street rap battles. Or like, think about challenging somebody to a spoken word. Like the whole idea is to kind of zing them or challenge them to kind of make fun of them or to kind of like to look impressive, to look strong, to look funny, to look charismatic. And so when Paul plants the church in Corinth, his other leaders come in and they notice something about Paul. He's none of those things. And so they begin to disparage Paul. They begin to say things like, he's your leader. Why is he getting persecuted all the time? He's your leader. Why is he failing? Why isn't he that good of a speaker? He's your leader. Why is he not very impressive? Why isn't he as charismatic as we are? We're successful. We've had success in our lives. We've done well. So Paul writes the letter in 1 Corinthians to kind of deal with that. And there's an embarrassing moment where Paul actually returns to Corinth and they, those in Corinth reject him. They, they turn their back on him. Now, Paul, at some point between First and Second Corinthians, there's a reconciliation that happens. Kind of. And anyone who's ever reconciled with somebody, you're like, how'd that reconciliation talk go? I think it went pretty well, but there's, you're not quite all the way back yet. Like there's still some nervousness, some insecurity there, and as Paul writes Second Corinthians, there's still some nervousness and insecurity there in his relationship with the church because they've they've, they've kind of kicked this guy out, this other rival guy making fun of Paul or putting him down, saying he's not successful, he's not impressive, and Paul comes in and writes this to the second to the Corinthians here in Second Corinthians chapter one verse three, praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort who comforts us in all of our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. For just as we share abundantly in the sufferings of Christ, so also our comfort abounds through Christ. If we are distressed, it is for your comfort and salvation. If we are comforted, it is for your comfort, which produces in you uh, patience, patient endurance of the same suffering we suffer. And our hope for you is firm because we know that just as you share in our sufferings, so also you share in our comfort. We do not want you to be uninformed brothers and sisters about the troubles we experienced in the province of Asia. We were under great pressure and beyond our ability to endure so that we despaired of even life itself. Indeed, We felt we had received the sentence of death. But this happened that we might not rely on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. He has delivered us from such a deadly peril, and he will deliver us again. On him we have set our hope that he will continue to deliver us as you help us by your prayers. Then many will give thanks on our behalf for the gracious favor granted us In answer to the prayers of many. Uh, My wife's going to come up and share a little bit about what we were able to learn in our travels to India uh, this past summer.
1: Hello. Um, So we did have the pleasure of going to India for a very short time. Um for family reasons, but uh, this is us on the end with the Hutchins and then the Bruns. I think Phil's taking the picture, so that's Beth Bruns. And then those are our friends that we met, Malati and Ewan, I think is his name. Um, But they were very welcoming. It was such a cool thing to see the way that they lived and the way that they served and the way that they loved. Um, And so I just love, Looking through Second Corinthians, I felt like it's so infused with grace. And um, I, you can just tell when you're talking to people in India. Like, they talk about God's grace all the time. And Drew had mentioned a little bit earlier, but I think for us, we worry so much about luxury. The things that we worry, like, will we have, you know, the house and be able to pay for those things. And those are for our livelihood, but we can worry about luxury, but they worry about survival. And you just see that, like, as you're driving through, like, driving through the streets, you almost die. Because <laughs> there are always, like, so many roads and cattle running through the road, and it was just wild. But um, but it was crazy to see how um, joyful they were and talked about, and they were dependent on God's grace. And I love that in this scripture where it talks about, um, we felt we received the sentence of death, but this happened, that we might not rely on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. That they have the they have a lack of material where it felt almost like their minds were cleared mm-hmm. from being able to worry about the the struggles of this life and they had to depend on God mm-hmm. their livelihood depended on that um, and so it was through this day to day that they were really clinging to God's grace it was in their conversations in their prayers always like so full of grace because they looked to um the further hope of heaven like that was always on the forefront of their mind Um, which was so convicting for me and thinking about how can I keep that mindset even though I have this wealth around me like there's almost no way of getting around it because we're just very protected we're very safe you know for the most part um here and I think we also hope um, for comfort and an easy life. We hope for the American dream we you know all of those things, but they actually expect suffering and it was just such a different mindset that made it just so clear to see what God was doing in their life, how God was going to bring them through. They were just dependent for financially, for relationships, for salvation, most importantly. And that was always on their hearts. Um, And so thinking about that coming here was just like, how can I really clear my mind to see those things? And having my mind always set on heaven, always set on what really matters Um, And they were just continually giving. And it was just so encouraging to see that um, and see their hearts and welcoming us. And um, was there another one? And then this was um, another couple from the church in Kerala. We actually watched a video not long ago on their family. Were you going to share this? Yeah, go ahead. So they um, were on the Western the western coast of india but they came over to this deacon's retreat that we were hosting um and nathan and suma are their names but nate uh, they lead a small church about our size and so we were going to get a chance to go travel and see their church but we were called back for um a funeral and um, they came, and we got to have lunch with them, and it was just so encouraging to talk with them and hear their stories. So they lead a church full-time, but he works as a vet, a veterinarian and leads the church while having that full-time job, and then she is full-time ministry staff. But she recently had a an accident, um, an automobile accident, where she was in the hospital and couldn't move and almost couldn't walk again but yet, God totally transformed all of that, and she is, like, fully functioning. The only thing that she's missing is her um, sense of taste. So it's funny going to India, where they already have everything spicy, but she still can't taste it. <laughs> um, but they were just so encouraging to be able to meet with them and talk with them and to hear their life and just even asking us questions, how do you guys do this in ministry and your size of your church? And, but everything, again, which is full of grace, full of, like, we want to love these people. They endlessly served and... Um, I'm sure you're going to share more about that. But I think a little bit also with our travels, it was very much um, forcing us to go day by day, like on faith. So we get there and we travel two and a half hours to remote India with no internet and um, like no real water and bucket showers and all of these things that these things we don't even think about um and no air conditioning and at a camp site so um it was very challenging but then because of drew's grandmother passing we didn't have any way of really communicating with america to figure out a flight back and everything so it was just this whirlwind of trying to like like as we go out of the camp trying to find internet to be able to get a ticket back and just didn't know, and we didn't have any real clothes for the wet or for the funeral, for anything, just got on a plane to Hong Kong, to LA, to Phoenix, and just, it was just wild to go around the world in a, in a whole week, but, um, yeah, so I think it was just cool to see even how God was working through that time as well, like, just having to depend on God, depend on other people, like, please let me borrow your clothes, because I have none, <laughs> like, you know, all these things that we just take for granted, so, that was just
0: a little bit I wanted to share from our trip. And yeah, thank you. Yeah, this was the hardest part about leaving India early. You know, my grandma passed. Uh, we were on the tarmac on the flight leaving and got the text that my grandmother passed away. So we, we just had to turn around and come right back pretty much after three days. But uh, this was the hardest part because we were going to go spend a week with um, Nathan and Suma uh, in their church, which is our similar size uh, on the western coast of India and kind of like our sister twin church over there. And, and as we talked about things we were working on as a church, they're so like, that's the same thing we're going through as well. I just want to share one little story about them. They're just an incredible couple. She, she's full-time in ministry and he, uh, he's a full-time veterinarian and leads the church. And we gave, some money to send to India so that the Indian, there's 20 churches in India that are part of our family of churches that have full-time, uh, that, don't, that don't have full-time leaders. They basically have somebody who works a full-time job, like a lot of you, and then leads a church of this size, uh, you know, in addition, in their extra time. That's what Nathan does. What, and uh, Walsuma is, is full-time church. So I asked him, I said, we sent, uh, we sent some money over, like we want to make sure that you guys, you know, are able to get some of that, like, so you guys can get some help. He was just like, oh, we could, we could never touch that. And I said, uh, but we sent it over for you guys. He goes, we don't need it. I said, but I'm thinking you do need it. <laughs> you're a full-time vet. And I'm thinking I'm a schmuck, you know. I'm, you know I got one job. Uh, <laughs> you have two jobs. But um, no, I said, you need it like you're not full-time. Like, wouldn't that help you be able to do more for the church? He goes, we have so much in Kerala. He's I we love, we have so much that money goes to Pakistan. That money goes to Bangladesh. And if you know anything about those, they're Muslim nations. I mean, it's a, I mean, it's against the law. India passed anti-conversion legislation recently, so you can't convert to Christianity. So talk about studying the Bible with people in India. And like, people there have scars from their parents. Um, and they actually will share their scars with you. Like when I became a disciple, this is what my dad did to me. This is what my mom did to me when I got baptized. But it's just for them, it's just, the stakes are so much higher not like hey can you carve out 90 minutes a week to love god and then you know if you want to come you don't have to i mean this is like their life really altering and it was inspiring and i felt like wow he's not even he's thinking we can't take the money because we need that money for church planting in pakistan we need the money you sent for church planting in bangladesh that's the need there are people in those countries who need to hear the gospel like this was his priority. And that was just so inspiring. You can see how happy he was. He really wanted a picture. Can I get a picture of you guys? And then they were like, please come back. Please come back. We said, we said we'll try. We will really try because they were just the sweetest couple. I mean, she's lost her sense of taste because of the accident. She didn't even mention it. She's like, it's fine. Like, it's okay. I got 20% back. She, I, we're like, that's not very much, you know, but she's like, I have 20%. I was like, all right. Amen. But just like Jenny said, everything they talk about, you're just like, shouldn't you be complaining more? But you're realizing, wow, my worldview, my paradigm, everything I everything I struggle with is like these luxuries or these annoyances or these things that I've just become accustomed to. And um, here in Second Corinthians one, our simple challenge today to the church. And we've talked about the good news. We've talked about the baptisms. But one of the things that's beautiful in this passage, and I don't know if you caught it, but Paul does something really powerful here. He says, "We've suffered." We've also had comfort, and you share in that with us. When we suffer, you suffer, but our comfort we give to you. And even says earlier, God has comforted us, therefore we can comfort you. And I began to think about us in the hard times, and Gabe talked about it two Sundays ago, but when we go through hard times in the church, I believe this is a missed opportunity for us to come closer together. Too often when things happen, and Sometimes things can be really rough. This year we've had a really hard year of, of death. We've had death and disease and a lot of things in the church affected, people affected by the church, uh, affected by that, in the church and somehow by some way, people whose jobs, we've had difficult things. And the temptation, I think, for us, is to pull back in the bad times, and then when things are good, pull in or come in. Things are really well. Let me now let you into my life. And I think what Paul's saying is, is here is we actually we can't rob each other of an opportunity to suffer together. And too often I think we we don't let each other in when we're going through something. But pulling somebody in and suffering together, coming together and rejoicing together, but also going through things together. I know one of the things I, that comes up a lot, you know, in in my times with people in the church is I just feel like I don't have connections. I don't feel like I have friendships. I feel alone. And too often, I think we base our relationships on like, people that are similar to us or people that like the same thing. Or but what's beautiful about the people here in this church and about Paul and what's going on is the thing they have in common is Jesus. And it's not like, hey, let's talk about Jesus, like Jesus trivia. Like, let's be friends and talk about, did you know Jesus' dad's name was? That's not how they bonded. Did you know that Jesus was? No, it's not that. It's we have Jesus because we need Jesus. That's how we bond. I need Jesus because I've been struggling with anger recently. How are you doing, brother? Well, I've been struggling in my marriage recently. Can you pray for me? That's what bonds us, is vulnerability, openness, letting somebody in. And it's really easy. The whole world, is it's, it's easy not to do that. And I grew up around disciples. So I'm very grateful for that. Sometimes, you know, I have family that's outside that are, that are non-Christians, right? And sometimes they're very friendly, but sometimes you go to an event, a family event, and Nobody asks you a question. I'm like, I've been here for two hours and nobody's asked me one question. Like, not even, how are you? I just, I just exist here. And I know that's it's not, not everybody in the world, but I think that I'm so used to like people like, how you doing? How's it going? How, you know, how can I pray for you? How, what's going on in your life? Like, We had this, I think, this great expectation, but I think we've, we've, we've struggled with this in a lot of ways. And I think it's because when we go through hard times, we don't let each other in. And then we make decisions on our own. Massive decisions on our own. And then when we tell people, I made this huge decision on my own. People go, what? And they go, don't judge me. I made a decision. The church is judging me. I made. But you didn't let us in. You didn't let us in. And I, it's not that we want you to, we don't force you. We're not making you be a robot. We're not making, you don't have to do what we say. You know, it's just, we just want to be, we want to be, be together. Yep. We want to be unified. You can make whatever decision you, you think is best, but why haven't you let me in? Why haven't you let us in? And Paul's saying that. Paul's Paul says in verse 8, we don't want you to be uninformed. If anybody deserves to be uninformed in Paul's life, it's the stinking Corinthians. The people who stabbed him in his back. The church that gave up on him. The church that chose another leader because it was a better leader. Can you imagine that? Like, I would be so hurtful if I came here and said, Drew, we found a better leader. He's taller. He's funnier. He's more successful. He's going to be more. We, Drew, no, no thanks. Like, my relationship, it would be hard to be like, hey, I don't want you guys to be uninformed about my life. I want to continue to let you in. That's what Paul's doing. These people have hurt him. Now, they've reconciled, sort of. If you read the rest of the book, you kind of get that sense. But Paul's like, I don't want you to be uninformed. We were facing a life sentence in Asia. We despaired, even up to life itself. But God delivered us. By the way, thank you for your prayers. I have no idea if the church in Corinth was actually praying for him. But Paul assumes they were. Thanks for your prayers, brother. You ever have someone say that? Thanks for praying for me. You're like, sure thing, you know. Uh, Check, i do it right now. Jerry, I pray for this, brother. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. I've been praying for you. Um, But I love that in this verse, he says at the very end, and we'll close out with this. He has delivered us from such a deadly peril in verse 10. And he will deliver us again. I love that in Paul. He has delivered us He will deliver us again. And you know how you've partnered with me? And I think sometimes this this idea can be intimidating because we go, but Drew, you want me to let people in? It's overwhelming. I can't let these many people in. Look around, there's 80 people here. How do I let them all into my life? Well, Paul gives us the clue. It's not like telling everybody everything. It's not not doing all that. Don't get discouraged or walk out here. I got to go to this barbecue now and tell people about my feelings. Like, I don't know if I can do that. But what does Paul say at the very end? In verse 11, as you help us by your prayers. If nothing else, I want to challenge us to be a church that prays for each other. When you go home and pray, do you know what people are feeling? God, please be with this sister. I know she's feeling a lot right now with her job. Please be with this brother. I know he he told me today that everything with his mom is really scary. God, please be with this person. Please be with that person. Please be with this ministry. I know they're struggling, God, but when we pray for each other and we see each other at service, there's that connection there of how are you doing? I've been praying for you. How's it going? How's it going? And the power, Paul says, is not in ourselves. Right. Yeah. It is in God. He says that, right? Mm-hmm. He says it that we, that we weren't going to rely on ourselves, but we were going to rely on God. Too often when we pull back, when things are hard, we're relying on ourselves. Mm-hmm. We let people in. They don't got to fix you. They just got to pray for you. Let people in and say, please pray for me, brother. I Don't have it figured out. Paul is still saying, you guys are right. Those sophists, those critics, they're right. I don't have it figured out. I'm not successful. I'm not a good speaker. I'm not impressive. People think Paul was short. Maybe he was short. Maybe he's a little guy. I'm a little guy. But you know what I have? I have Jesus. And I can't rely on myself. And you can't rely on yourself. But we can rely on Jesus together. And we can pray for each other. And as as grateful as I am for all of you, and a teen ministry that is on fire, a campus ministry that is inspiring, a marriage and family ministry that is continually digging deeper to find out what it means to love like Jesus loved, an empty-nester ministry that is just not content with just being there but really advancing the gospel in this city. You guys are doing amazing things, but I think that we are just skimming the surface of supernatural love, of getting to a place where we can really be in a place where we actually rejoice in suffering. And that is how you stand out. You don't stand out at school by having more knowledge or being successful. You stand out amongst your community when you rejoice in suffering. That's what Jesus did. And that's what Paul did. And that's what we can do. And let's take encouragement in the words that he has delivered us and he will deliver us again.
1: Thanks for listening to the Blue
0: Ridge podcast. My name is Seth Mitchell, and if you'd be interested in more resources like this or connecting with us, you can go to blueridge.church or join us at Burnley Moran Elementary School at 7
1: p.m. Wednesdays or 10.30 a.m. Sundays in Charlottesville, Virginia. Thanks for tuning in and see you next time.